welcome, welcome, welcome to episode six in our series, The Evil Around Us. My name is Dee Bowers with Exposing Truth Ministries in Houston, Texas. Our ministry's mission is to expose the truth by exposing the lies of Satan. In this series, we have discussed Satan, where his demons came from, and why God created him and has allowed him to stick around. In our last episode, we exposed Satan's evil demons as the children of angels and women before the earth was flooded. These hybrids, referred to as Nephilims in the Bible, were destroying mankind and all the animals. Their story is not told in our Bible other than to say they were around. But it was these spirits that were instructed by God to cause destruction and havoc in the lives of those that sin and the lives of those that God wants to prune or bring closer to him. In this episode, The Role and Rank of Satan's Army, I want to discuss the structure of Satan's army and how they torment mankind. I want to share a case in my ministry and break down the story of Jesus and the legion in the Bible. My goal is for you to understand the power of these spirits and to have an understanding that God did not leave us to defend for ourselves. As long as we have breath, we are going to have these battles. Some will be minor because you may know how to fight a spiritual battle and others may be major for those who are still in the dark. Don't ever think you can defeat Satan's kingdom with worldly weapons. A spiritual battle can only be fought with spiritual weapons, which the Lord has provided. We may not be able to kill our enemy, but we can win all of our battles with the power of Jesus. Every spirit has certain powers and roles to play in tormenting us. We have spirits that people identify as territorial, pagan gods, principalities, strongmen, and soldiers whom I just call imps. Some people like to identify them in ranks like generals, captains, lieutenants, and foot soldiers because Satan's army has structure and organization. But one aspect about his army that you cannot dismiss is that they are obedient and never want Satan's wrath. They speak of the torment they receive from Satan if they do not obey his commands. Most of the time, they'd rather deal with our torment than to have to face Satan if they leave their command posts. The higher the rank, the more powerful and the more stubborn. I personally have no interest in rank. They are all evil spirits that report to top dog Satan. My interest is who are the principalities or pagan gods and who is the strong man, which can be narrowed down based on the type of torment and lifestyle that the client has. This is why it is important that people seeking help are truthful and transparent when seeking deliverance. Knowledge of the demonic leaders can identify the middle level demon and make the deliverance go much smoother. You may hear 
deliverance ministers say that the name is not important. Well, there's some truth to that because the function serves as the name. But a name is personal and will get you a faster response. For example, if you saw a group of ladies walking ahead of you and you wanted to get the attention of the one in the middle, wouldn't it be faster if you knew the person's name? Or would it just suffice to say, hey, lady, in the middle? Demons do not want to be exposed, and they will try to avoid your torment or commands as much as possible. Demons can speak, and they will use the vocal cords or the mind of the host when they talk. Sometimes they'll talk, and sometimes they won't. I have heard deliverance ministers say, Never, ever talk to a demon. I totally disagree. I always try to get them to talk because sometimes they will slip up and reveal information that will help with our deliverance. They are masters of manipulation and deception. So 90% of the time they will lie. But the Holy Spirit can and will expose what is truth and what is a lie. Some have been in the family for centuries and with you all of your life. And they know you better than you know yourself. I have said it before and I will say it again. Demons possess people. I really hate getting into the semantics about that word possess. But sometimes it's necessary. A former pastor of mine told his congregation that Satan speaks in the ear and cannot possess. I asked him to go read the Bible where Jesus cast the demons out of people and told his disciples to cast out the demons and heal the sick. Jesus never said, get away from those ears or stop speaking in those ears. Yes, demons will tempt you and speak in your ears. But that is where that scripture that says, resist the devil and he will flee, comes into play. Once that spirit has possessed that body, it will become more difficult to resist. Getting back to the power of demons. As I said, I am more interested in the demon's role in the torment and not in his rank. A high level demon can and does serve in a support role instead of being the head honcho. Regardless of the role or rank, they're all just demons. Yes, some are more powerful than others, and some are just foot soldiers. But we battle them all the same with the authority and power of Jesus. An imp or foot soldier may be easier to cast out but he still provides torment and pain and his rank in the army is meaningless to the oppressed or the host. Also, all individuals will not have the same demonic spirits. Some people may have very powerful demons while other ones may have middle level and imps. A spirit may be a pagan god or principality, but not be the strong man or the leader in the group in the group. Also, there may be many pagan gods, but there is only one functioning as a leader. The function 
may be to cause fear or pain, prevent you from praying, or to cause accidents. You cannot cast him out by rank, but you can by his function or his name. Before we get into the weeds, I want to stress or repeat that at any time, Jesus can remove your spirits. I don't always know why the Lord allows them to stay longer in some and not others. But it is important that people understand factors like humility, repentance, relationship, and commitment. I have clients that want to remove their spirits, but they are not committed to change their lives or their heart. I have a former client that has tried our deliverance program three times. The Lord shared his issues that were preventing his freedom from the bondage, but the person decided he knew best and allowed the spirits to convince him otherwise. He would make statements like, I believe or I think while I'm trying to explain that it doesn't matter what you think. It is your rebellion and your stubbornness that keeps you in torment. God even spoke to him through one of our ministers, but the client still felt he knew what was best. These are people that are very difficult to help. At one point in time, Jesus did remove his demons, and I believe it was because of our determination. But Jesus allowed those demons to come back because of his rebellion. If the legal right has not been removed and your demon has left, he has every right to return. Let us review the different types of demons in the categories I have placed them in. Territorial spirit is a term some people use to identify demonic claims over a specific geographic location or area. We get this concept from passages in scripture like Daniel 10, where an angel was sent to deliver a message to Daniel, but fought with the prince of the kingdom of Persia for 21 days before help from Michael the archangel was sent. It seems like there was a powerful demon um, had taken over dominion over Persia. This concept of territorial spirits is inferred by that passage. We as believers should only be concerned about the battles we have against the spirits that torment us. I have no interest in demons that control certain areas of the world, and I do not pray against them. There is nothing wrong with praying for a nation or for countries, but we are not instructed to cast out demons from countries. Okay, let's address pagan gods or principalities. How does a demon become a pagan god or a goddess? He or she is worshipped. Depending on the culture and location in the world, different deities are worshipped. There are gods worshipped to impact the sun, the moon, fertility, sex, marriage, 
power, wealth, healing, you name it. There is a demon to represent it. When I use the term principalities, it is synonymous with pagan God. All demons can cause torment and pain. But for people tormented by pagan gods, the pain or torment is usually more severe. Throughout the Old Testament, we read about how God punished his people for worshiping pagan gods. In the New Testament, Paul has a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 concerning idols. He told the people that the sacrifices offered to pagans are offered to demons and not God. For there is only one God. He tried to make people understand that they were making sacrifices to demons. Those pagan gods with power and arrogance are those same demons and pagan gods we live with today. We are in the 21st century and we still worship pagan gods. Every week I read emails from people trying to learn how to wake up Kundalini so that they can have more spiritual enlightenment. And in churches, I witnessed pagan gods taking over the service with people uh, laughing. And it's called holy laughter. Or sometimes you might see people walking around slapping each other in the face. The church is in total chaos. This is a spirit called Kundalini. Or some people call him or her the fake Holy Spirit. I love charismatic churches because they allow freedom of the Holy Spirit with miracles, signs, and wonders. But when chaos happens, it is not of God. The Lord tells us he is not a God of confusion. I consider middle-level demons um, to be demons like suicide, anger, arthritis, insomnia, ADHD, these demons can cause a lot of pain and they also can bring in other spirits to assist them. I call the lowest level of the demons imps. Their purpose is to take direction or orders. They may be assigned to torment your mind, cause pain to a certain area of your body or constantly speak, making you think that you're schizophrenic. Yes, they have powers, but usually they take direction from others. And if you ask them their names, they just give you a number. I know some of you have studied or heard of Greek and Indian mythology. Well, I have selected four pagan gods to speak about because they were demons in two of the cases I have selected for discussion. Zeus was worshipped as an Olympian god of the sky, a chief figure in Greek mythology. He was considered the ruler of heavens and the governor of weather. Athena, his daughter, was the goddess of war. Her mother did not bore her. She sprang from Zeus's head, full grown and clothed in armor. He was an idol that people sacrificed to change the weather and to control other pagan gods. Hindus worship a trinity of gods. Brahma, the creator of life on earth. Shiva, 
the avenging and destroying God, and Vishnu, the preserver or protector of life. Eastern Indians that are Christians may not worship these gods, but still may have Hindu demons because these demons are the gods worshipped by the majority of people in India. Freemasonry is an organization that is structured around Hinduism. Christians become Masons unaware of the history behind the organization. Freemasonry accepts all religion and even worships Satan. Almost all of our clients that have been involved in Freemasonry or their ancestors involved in Freemasonry have Hindu demons. These Hindu gods have great powers. Kundalini is a pagan god that is worshipped in yoga, which is Hinduism and Buddhism. It is unbelievable the number of people that call me names or crazy when I tell them not to do yoga. There is absolutely nothing wrong with exercise, but we do not understand the symbols and signs used in worship of Hindu gods, and we need to be very careful. It is imperative that you understand that demons wait for a reason to attack and find you as their home. You may say yoga is harmless, but it is not for a Christian. These demons are pagan gods because they are worshipped and they are principalities because they are powerful. They can also be strong men or the leader of the demon that torments you depending on their role that they're playing in your torment. Leviathan is a principality who is discussed in the Bible. He can command other principalities including middle level demons and imps. What is interesting is that 80%, you hear me? 80% of our clients have Leviathan. This spirit is called a haughty spirit of pride, rebellion, arrogance, bigotry, self-righteousness, amongst, among many, many other sins. We had a client who was an associate pastor that came to our ministry after working with other ministries that failed him. He had many demons, but his key demonic spirits were Shiva and Leviathan, both pagan gods. The name Shiva is not mentioned in our canon, but Leviathan is first spoken about in the book of Job. This gentleman had a curse that was activated generations ago when his great-great-grandfather, who was a pastor of a church, had a shrine of Leviathan behind his church. The shrine was worshipped by people to give them sexual strength and power. For three generations, his ancestors were pastors of Baptist churches. His father and grandfather also had spirits that they never ever dealt with. Therefore, there had never been any repentance made for the sins of the forefathers. There was a generational curse that started prior to the erection of the shrine. With prayer and revelation from the Holy Spirit, we cast out Shiva in our first session. But we were not aware of Leviathan's shrine till later. After spending hours the second day speaking to other spirits, his ancestor's connection to Leviathan was revealed. And we cast out the spirit of Leviathan with all his army. 
This gentleman had two very powerful pagan gods. Although Shiva is more powerful, the more powerful spirit, Leviathan was the leader or the strong man. Some of you may think everything that we're talking about is just unbelievable. So I want to highlight a story in the Bible where Jesus cast out many demons from one person. And I also want to share a case we had where a client had many pagan gods or principalities. I chose the three principalities, Zeus, Shiva, and Kundalini, because I want to continue a case study that I started in episode one. First, let us consider or reference the passages in Luke 8 and Mark 5, where Jesus cast out the legion. The story was about a man that was possessed by an entire legion of demons. During the time of Jesus, a legion meant 6,000, but could possibly mean a multitude. I will paraphrase the passages. Jesus was in a boat going to the other side of the sea when a man with an unclean spirit approached. The man had been living in the tombs and people had tried to shackle him with chains, but he was always able to tear the chains apart. No one was able to subdue him. Demons are powerful. Day and night, the man screamed out of his mind and cut his body with stones. Demons will cause mental illness and will cause you to cut yourself or hurt yourself. If you ask a cutter why they cut themselves, they will usually say that it makes them feel better. Jesus asked the man his name. He said it was lesion, meaning possibly thousands. People think that maybe they have one demon and sometimes ministers think that they only need to be concerned about one, but demons always travel in groups. The man ran to Jesus and asked what he was doing there. He called Jesus the son of the most high God and asked that he not torment him. Demons fear Jesus, but not man. They also know if you have a relationship with God. Those that are with you and in your family know you better than you know yourselves. That's how they know how to manipulate you and your family. The legion asked Jesus not to send them away. Okay? This is because they, they want to be in a familiar place or surroundings, and they prefer a human body. There was a group of swine nearby. The demons asked Jesus to send them to the swine. Well, swine was the closest thing to a warm body. People say that demons are in the air and not in bodies. Notice how they requested Jesus not to send them in the air. They wanted a host. Jesus allowed the demons to go to the swine, but Jesus then drowned the swine. The demons did not get what they wanted, but they sure tried. After the demons left the man, 
the townspeople gathered around and saw the demon-possessed man was clothed, calm, and in his right mind. Once the demon left, the man was fine. He would have stayed a possessed man if Jesus had not cast him out. The Bible uses the word possess to describe this man. People get hung up on that word. So much that I always need to stress that a Christian cannot be totally possessed because Jesus says he will not let anyone take us out the palm of his hand. Many of you are probably saying that maybe the man in the tomb was not a Christian. Doesn't matter because the only difference is Christians have the Holy Spirit and Jesus to deliver them. The torment and the number of spirits is not less just because one claims to know Christ. Satan doesn't care if you are a pastor of a huge church or the janitor of a small one. Sin looks the same to Satan and to Jesus regardless of your status. Satan really loves to attack pastors because if he can get in the church, he has a cesspool of people claiming to be Christians that he can easily attack. Now let's pick up with the case I first mentioned in episode one, where I exposed a demon that had been hiding in one of my clients all of her life. After working with her, I identified 12 pagan gods with armies of middle-level spirits and imps. Her physical and mental problems were many, but I will share just a few and hope they will get your attention. She had voices that constantly told her she was unworthy and needed to commit suicide. She had heart trouble, digestive problems, bladder and bowel issues. Memory lapses and cognitive issues were daily. She had been committed to mental facilities which did nothing but constrain her. She would lose control of her central nervous system causing accidents and loss of all body control. She had shooting pains in her neck, her back, her shoulders, and her throat. She had spirit husbands that attacked her at night in her bed. And all day long, she had snakes sliding all through her body. Now, let me explain why she had these three pagan gods, Zeus, Shiva, and Kundalini. Her father was a Freemason, and Freemasons worship Hindu gods. It is not really obvious until they reach a certain level. Shiva is a Hindu god, and she had Shiva as her strong man. Her father also made an agreement with Satan where he traded his daughter for Satan's help. This lady went to many Reiki meetings to have spiritual enlightening. These meetings included yoga, which is Hindu. She even studied to be a Reiki master. And this is where Kundalini comes into play. 
Now, this next pagan god that she has may be a little difficult to comprehend. When she was a little girl, she wanted to be Athena, which is Zeus's daughter. So she wore an Athena, Athena costume for Halloween. While I can't tell you what happened that Halloween day, I can tell you that Zeus told me that that was his legal right to torment her and possess her body. Athena was not one of her demons, but Zeus was surely there. Once the door has been opened, these spirits will find the smallest incident or indiscretion to torment and possess you. Halloween is a day that many people celebrate without realizing it is a day that celebrates the dead and demons. You can say that it is not what you do, but what you think does not matter. You may do yoga only to exercise and not to worship gods, but again, it's not about what you think. Many people go to palm readers or fortune tellers for spiritual help. There are also Christians who visit people called shamans or witch doctors, or they practice Santa Rita or Kundanera without giving it a second thought. These activities represent idol worship, witchcraft, and sin. Therefore, if you practice them, you can open the door or already have opened the door to many demons into your life. I have worked with people who played with Ouija boards when they were children. No one thought it was a big deal, but now these people's lives have been plagued for what they thought was innocent fun. Now I want to share something with you that's really deep. As the population grows in this world, one would think we would have less demons in people. If Satan is not omnipresent, why is he everywhere? I get asked these types of questions a lot. First, we know that angels can produce children, or the women during the times of Noah would have never ever produced these giants. Spirits produce children in the spiritual realm. I can have eight clients at one time, and they all have Leviathan, the spirit of pride, stubbornness, and self-righteousness. So how is it possible? They have spirit babies that take on the attributes of the mother or the father. The Leviathans have the same powers, but they have different personalities. The same for Satan. Satan appears in a lot of our clients. And when we pressure the Satan, they admit they're Satan Jr. or Satan the third or Satan the fourth, but they are not the Satan that approached Jesus. Do I believe I've ever spoken to that Satan that approached Jesus? No, I don't. I think he is reserved for bigger fish. All the Satans I have come up against are powerful. But they're still mincemeat when Jesus is called in. People ask me all the time, do I fear Satan? No, and neither should you. That is if you belong to Jesus. As we move forward in this series, we will learn more about Satan's strategy, more about his army, and how we will win our battles and claim victory. Stay tuned. If you would like to receive teachings, emails, and notifications, go to our website, 
www.exposingtruth.org. Subscribe, like us, and support this ministry so that we can continue to teach the truth by exposing the lies of Satan. Stay awake and informed, and again, keep us alive through your support. This is Pastor D with Exposing Truth Ministries.